At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. Read my lips. Government is not the solution to our problem. Senator, good morning again in America. Well, look, Big Bird. Yes, we did. Government is the problem. Good evening and welcome to a conservative and a liberal walk into a bar. My name is Matt and I am a liberal. My name's Tim and I'm a conservative. And you're not in your car this week. It's big I'm not. I broke free. I'm in my new my new digs, my new office. I'm excited. My own Does little it feel world. Weird, weird being able to record and stretch at the same time. I know, right? Stretch and talk loud like no one can possibly hear me. I'm in the middle of nowhere. This is great all by myself. Well, we're 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 all very happy for you. I'm sure as you're uh, I'm sure as you're aware. We uh we had a big week this week. We we got over our we got over a hundred views, and we haven't even told anybody we're out there. We're we got awesome. over a hundred views. Overall, what? we have over we have over a hundred views. Total. Wow, we have, we're gonna we be have a, famous. We have, we have cracked the hundred famous. Mark. Wow. We got a yeah, we're not followers. even we're not even public. New no, followers. Welcome. Welcome. Yes, we're 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 very happy to have you. And this is our tenth show. Ten. Right. Ten. Wow. We've done ten. Ten shows. This shows Amazing. remarkable dedication on our part, if you ask me. Well, and we did way more than that for practice. You know, that's just ten that we felt were mediocre enough to publish. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be Yeesh. we'll be we'll be coming out of the closet as it were soon enough. So uh yeah, well, uh, well, we we have we have we have yet another uh, phenomenal hour for you. We'll uh, we'll we'll get to that shortly. We're going to talk a little bit about the election, uh, the nuclear conference, free trade, WTF round of applause and quick hits. But before we do, how are you, my friend? Well, I'm well. I'm tired. It's been a long day of. Uh, I've started up at my new my new parish. Um, I'm working as a volunteer youth minister at St. Paul in Lexington as part of my overall. So my overall ministry, right, is that service guy, and I go around. We talked about this. I go around doing volunteer work, and a big part of that is you know youth ministry. Uh, so I'm the volunteer youth minister here at St. Paul, and went through and introduced me at all the masses, and so it's a lot of a lot of smiling, and, um, and I enjoy the relational aspect. I enjoy talking to people, um, but you know it's always it's it's still a little nerve wracking, and um, but it was it was good, it was fun. So just long day, a little bit tired, but excited to be starting this aspect of my ministry. Good, good. Well, I'm I'm very excited for you, and I figure we'll uh, we'll do. Uh, uh, sort of a proper introduction to to that service guy when we uh, when we maybe perhaps have a larger audience or at the very least come out of hiding uh, with with our with our podcast because uh, that's something that uh, that people should should know about. We're all very proud of you. So thank yes, you. There thank we you. go. So how are you? How was your week? Uh, it was good. It was busy. You know, um, I just, I've had, uh, you know, we're just wrapping up projects at this point, you know, wrapping up, getting your, uh, your, your, book out there and then, uh, uh, finishing up, a something of my own and, and prepping to, to get this, this thing launched and out in the open and, uh, also doing lots of, lots of outdoorsy things, uh, uh yeah you know it's just been a, it's been a very busy week but a very um, a very productive one I think so I'm 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 happy with it at this stage so 
I'm I'm excited about getting this project up and up and going and out the door. You know, and I think we're fantastic. We are, yeah. yeah, we are we are far beyond practice at this point, and we hope you listening agree with us. But if you're sitting there saying that we suck, we well, you know, that's fine. Just keep it to yourself. We need to. Yeah. So, uh, anyhow, uh, that's enough about us. Uh, let's talk a little bit of newsy things. Uh, as I said last week, we don't particularly want to dwell on the election too much, but there were there were some interesting things going on this week. Uh, first of all, the, the the first thing that that I want to discuss a little bit is 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 Bernie um, and where he's at uh, and the way there were there were just a number of sort of tiffs going on between the two campaigns and uh, Bernie's overall tone to me himself seems to have changed, but then now he's gotten, uh, you know, early on Bernie was very, I'm going to make this about the issues and not really attack my opponent too much and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And he's had all of his campaign people out there uh, sort of, on the internet doing all the dirty work for him. But to me now, he seems to have come out a little bit out in the open. And then we've had, uh, we had uh, a couple of Hollywood types doing stupid actor things. Uh, Rosario Dawson getting up there and saying, uh, shame on you, secretary Clinton and Susan Sarandon running around talking about how she wasn't sure if, she would vote for Trump or Hillary Clinton because, and I quote, it's possible that Trump would bring the revolution faster. Give me a break. Uh, and, uh, what, what, you know, and what Bert, revolution? Well, the revolution, you know, the revolution to fight the oligarchy oh, because oh, we bring the, the revolution. revolution. You know, Wait, the revolution. Trump is going to bring the revolution against the oligarchy. Trump is the oligarchy. What is, whatever. When did these? What, what is it with these people in these words? It's it's like Bernie started just repeating them over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, and they get on, and now all of a sudden it's like they've caught on. So there's a whole bunch of just sort of robotic progressives running around going, "Are you with the revolution? I'm down with the revolution. I love my work." It's nice. I, I don't know. I I mean I don't know. Um, you know what? And and the, the thing about it is, is that Bernie's path hasn't changed. Nothing has changed really. In fact, uh, Nate Silver. Uh, you know, the polling prognosticating God that he is. And I don't say that sarcastically at all, basically laid out, okay, this is what Bernie's got to do to win. And it doesn't just border on impossible. It borders on sort of godlike. like he would have to not only win a lot of States by like 50, 60, 70%, but he'd have to swing around in the States like New York, where he's down 15, 10, 15 points and, and win those by 15 to 20 points in order to win. And I, I just, it, it, it's almost impossible. So I'm not saying but Bernie should is get that out. Because, but just because of super delegates or is that? No, that's, wait, that's just period. When you look at actual delegates, out. it looks like they're pretty, him and, him and Hillary are pretty close when you discount the super delegates. And I, and I don't think you can count super delegates yet because the super delegates in general are going to go with whoever has the stronger hold on the party. Um, so I mean, if Bernie starts winning a lot, which I mean he did last weekend, he, he well, swept yeah, it last weekend. He won, so. so yeah. But where he, we got to look at where he won. That was, that was sort of saying like, 
You know, I mean, he did it in the Pacific. It was primarily in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, you know, and and which okay, Washington, Oregon, uh, you know, uh, states like that, where you know, and even in like Colorado or Arizona or any of these other places where he's gotten wins. These are all sort of. It's almost like anything west of Oklahoma is sort of like. It's 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 like the South for conservatives. It's really where the South is really conservative. All that is really progressive when you're talking about the progressives. Well, so that's a lot of votes. Naturally, they're going to go for Bernie. Well, so are we talking California is going for where, Bernie because that's pretty no because Cal- huge. no because he's not he's not winning California. Not, oh, not right not, now. Okay. Not according to polling. No, and he's not winning um, New York. Um, and he's got to turn it around in Wisconsin. You know, it's. I mean, and, and Silver was even giving her some some states. I mean, whether or not we like the superdelegate system or not, it is in there. Now, whether or not everything that I've read did not even bother to count the superdelegates because, again, Bernie's people get all yeah, superdelegates when you talk about them. But even without the superdelegates, he's got a really hard time going forward. And I don't, again, I don't feel like he should get out, but there's a part of me that kind of feels like, you know what, turn Susan and Rosario off and maybe step it down a little bit from a, you know, attack standpoint. Man, I, I haven't, I haven't noticed this sudden increase, you know, when, when I saw it on the agenda, I went through to look and I mean, it's the exact same stuff that he's been doing. I mean, the, he's never not been hitting her on, you know, the wall street stuff and the oligarchy stuff. And, you know, yes, he's always said, well, I'm not making this personal. I'm not doing this. But, I mean, I think it was the second debate. Hillary called him on it. And she was like, stop. You know, you're, you are attacking me about these things. Stop acting like you're not. Um, and, I mean, I guess maybe people are finally noticing that he is definitely doing some personal attacks there. Now, is that legitimate? Is that a personal attack in the sense of like, you know, your husband's an adulterer and therefore you suck? No, I, I think it's, you know, a legitimate question to be asking. Uh, but I, I don't think that this indicates any sort of increase in his tax. And as far as Sarandon and, and Rosario, we, we've talked multiple times on the show about how Bernie's supporters are a little annoying. Hey, they're still annoying, even when they're not just poor millennials and are rich actresses as well. So, hey. Well, okay then. <laughs> That's what I think. Sum well, I it mean, up for I, you. It, it, is, it, is, it is a fair point that she kind of hit back on him about that uh, early on. I had forgotten about that exchange during that original debate. But, yeah, that's a fair point. And just so, you know, just so the listeners know, uh, that uh, I didn't just pull this out of my butt. A lot of this was was prompted by a write up in the Boston Globe um, mm-hmm. about this very thing, um, and uh, but the Globe doesn't didn't talk about that either. Um, the uh, you know I mean it, this is why yeah. you should come to us for your news. The papers mm-hmm. suck. We know everything. <laughs> this is very true. Uh, you know what I'm, I'm, I was just able to pull up silver's thing, but I, uh, I, I didn't look at it without the, uh, I, I can't see if he did it with or without the superdelegates, but, uh, you know, just the, the gist of some of the numbers, you know, he would have to, uh, according to like 67%, again, according, right. 
Well, it's not quite that simple. He breaks it down state by state and flips exactly, okay, this is what he's got to do in each one of these upcoming states in order to in order to make a difference. So he's got to turn Cal- he's got to turn his 15-point loss right now, 10 to 15-point loss in New York around to a 4-point win. He's got to win by 15 in California. He's got to win uh, Montana by 50%, South Dakota by 40%, North Dakota, Wyoming by 50 plus percent. Um, you know, he, he has to not just win, but win big, you know, in a lot of these, in a lot of these circumstances, this is, it's, it's what silver calls his rose colored glasses, uh, scenario. Um, and no, these are not, uh, these are not including super delegates. This is what he's got to get from an elected delegate standpoint in order to make up the elected delegate difference. Now, here's a question. Is there a broke, can there be a brokered convention for Democrats? If they have to get X number of delegates and they don't, are we looking at the same possible scenario as with the Republicans? Uh, I don't know. I have never I don't heard have an any, answer for I that have, either. I, have, I don't know. No either. one's talking have, about that and I don't know why. Well, I have never heard any scenarios that include uh, neither one of them getting to whatever number is necessary. I know that there is a nu- there is a number necessary to get to, um, and it's like yeah. twenty seven. It's it's bigger. Yeah, it's, it's bigger like than twice ours. the number it's like of delegates or something. Yeah, yeah, somewhere along those lines. Um, so. Uh, I don't know. Nobody's really talked about it along in, in those circumstances, possibly because of the number of candidates. Um, you know, you've really only got two candidates to worry about instead of, you know, three now, I guess, at the Republicans. Four, if mm-hmm. you count the fact that Rubio had a fairly significant, well, I mean, not significant, but, you know, I mean, you know, a chunk, I guess, of delegates that are still technically assigned to him. Um, yeah. That he's still fighting to keep, by the way. He actually sent a... Letter to Reince Priebus, making sure that he nice. would keep his delegates. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's sort of an interesting thing. Um, so moving away They're from Bernie and over. Yeah. Those are my delegates, damn it. I want them on the first ballot. Somebody remember. I was here. I ran. I can fly. I'm pilot. I'm pilot. Uh, <laughs> uh, so moving on to the other side. Uh, this was an interesting week. For the first time, I thought for for Trump, mostly because up to now you have constantly heard how Teflon Trump is, but just over the course of literally over the last seven days, sort of starting with the town halls on MSNBC uh, the other night, um, and then moving on to some more interviews that he's given, uh, some of his comments about. Uh, First of all, he man- he managed to he managed to pull off a minor unification sort of miracle in pissing off both both the pro choice and pro life uh, movements um, with his comment that women he thought women should be prosecuted uh, for getting abortions. Um, everybody got mad at him about that. Uh, of course, he walked that back right away. Uh, wait, and- wait, he said women should be prosecuted for getting abortions if abortions are illegal, right? That's what that's that was the the what he was commenting on. Uh, as I recall, I think the question was: uh, Should do you think women should be prosecuted for getting abortions? 
And he said yes. Right. But, I mean, the assumption in that question is abortion is illegal. Because in the past, I think it was just the doctors that were prosecuted, I believe. Well, yeah, I mean, that would, yeah. That, is that, that right? Yes, if abortion is illegal. Now, is it right that only doctors were prosecuted in the past? I believe that's correct, yes. Okay. So you disagree with that? That women should be prosecuted? If abortion is illegal. Should a woman who gets an abortion be prosecuted? Yes, I disagree with that. Even if abortion is illegal? Yes. Why do you disagree with that? Well... I guess the reasoning there would be that the woman isn't actually performing it, you know, that you prosecute whoever it is that's performing the abortion itself um, and then try to take a bit of a more sympathetic approach towards uh, the woman who's received it. Uh, So if a woman tries to do it herself, like what if a woman tries to do it herself? She tries to like the kitchen sink sort of method as gruesome as that is. Would, should she be prosecuted then? No. Even if it's illegal? No. Tim, I don't think abortion should be illegal right now. So, right. So I, I think that's, I, mean, and I guess that's that's the point I'm driving at. Like, I mean, we, we say that because we think abortion should be illegal, not because that makes sense from a law standpoint. We, we think well, abortion no, but, should be legal, not that it makes sense from a law standpoint. Tim, you, 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 you missed the first part of that where I said that that. Everybody got mad at him about this. Even the pro-life movement got mad at him about it. Well, okay. Why did the pro-life movement get mad at him for? I, I don't know. I know they were mad about it. I know that everybody was upset. I mean, there were a number of a number of places that pointed out that exact statement that I just made, that it was a miracle that you got the pro-life and the pro-choice wings of both parties to agree to something, agree about something. Uh, and that they thought they felt like that was wrong and that, no, women should not be prosecuted. Ted Cruz even came out and said, no, I don't believe women should be prosecuted. I never saw anyone explain their answers as to why that's the case. Yeah, I guess. And that's the thing for me. Like, I'm not necessarily leaping up and saying, yes, women should be prosecuted um, because there is an element of it that's, you know, similar to the whole suicide thing. Right. Like suicide's illegal. But I mean, they don't prosecute someone who tries to commit suicide. Right. Because there's the understanding that there's, um, you know, there, there's some there's some mental health issues there or there's some there's outlying issues there um but i would uh, expect that that that's a that's similar the reasoning yeah okay sounds about right to me i I mean it does sound about right to me i guess i'm just surprised by the duh reaction no explanation of of people like and don't get me wrong like obviously you know any chance to hate on trump i'm excited but you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily quite so clear cut and obvious that a woman who attempts to get an abortion just absolutely should not be prosecuted. Uh, assuming, well, of course, abortion is illegal, right? I mean, right now, naturally, duh, no, because uh, it's legal. But if it were illegal to do this, as much as one might sympathize with the abortion side of the movement and believe that abortion should be legal, if it's illegal, you know, it's a, it goes back to kind of like what we talked about with, you know, um, undocumented immigrants, you know, like the, 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 the shock that is sometimes expressed that they would be deported. And it's like, you know, look, I'm, I mean, I'm on your side, bro. Like, I think you should be allowed here. But if you immigrated illegally, well, <laughs> it, you know, 
uh, as much as I might disagree with the way things are set up, uh, if that's the law, that's the law. So I, I guess, uh, you know, I, yeah, so I, I guess I'm surprised that of all the things that Trump has said, of all the things he's done, that's the one that does it. Because that one at least has some amount of logical sense. Okay. Let me, uh, I, let me get, let, let me, let me, let, let me finish. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> you stopped me about halfway. Sorry. Because the Sorry. gist with the abortion thing is, is that he, he, he literally walked that back within about 12 hours of making that statement and tried to diffuse it and might have diffused it had he not turned around and in the same debate been forced to start walking back comments that he made about Japan, about South Korea, about uh, Germany, uh, all needing to pay for their own security. Maybe it's time that we didn't. Maybe it's time that we didn't keep armies uh, for these countries. Uh, maybe it's time that we allowed countries like Japan and South Korea to have their own nuclear weapons on the eve of this nuclear conference that was going on. Uh, things that have been sort of cornerstones of our foreign policy since World War II. Uh, that just about every single national security person on the planet, both left and right, say is a bad idea. Uh, and these combination, this combination of things, to me, seemed to indicate a change in tone in a lot of places. Uh, his poll numbers nationwide suddenly started to drop. Uh, he's losing in Wisconsin, and he's losing getting beat more and more. Uh, he is constantly having to walk things back now in interviews instead of having to... Uh, instead of being able to actually go on and say, you know, his usual blah, 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 would be good, build wall, good, big words, use words, good words, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it, it, it genuinely has seemed to me that there was a shift in the tone of things. There was a, a couple of nights ago, there was a, um, uh, a conservative rally in Wisconsin with uh, Scott Walker was there and Ted Cruz and they had a big hug and, and Sarah Palin was there. Now, admitting that Sarah hasn't exactly, you know, endorsed Cruz, okay, well, that might make things a little bit different. But at the same time, she's still Sarah Palin. And this is still a collection of really hardcore conservatives in this room. And the response to her was absolute silence. The woman talked for 20 minutes, got one very tiny smattering of applause, and no response whatsoever. Now, they didn't boo her, but she had almost no impact on the room at all. And it was almost like these were people just ignoring her because of her support of Trump. I might be wrong. And I'm not saying that there's any way that he gets out of this, but that they get out of this with him becoming without him becoming the nominee. But to me, it seemed as though there was a genuine shift in things this week. Well, I mean, a I, genuine I shift would certainly be if Trump is suddenly walking things back. Right. Like, I mean, his whole thing up until now is and never, never take anything back. He's always, you know, he's always stood directly by what he said in the past. So if he's suddenly walking things back, no, nah, I'd be interested to see if it's sort of chicken and the egg sort of thing. You know, did he start losing votes and then start walking things back? Or did he start walking things back and then start losing votes? Um, you know, it's, I, 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 I don't. 
I, I want, yeah, that's what it seems like. Because why why would he change strategies? Why is he suddenly walking back all these statements when all of the others he has stood by? Uh, that that doesn't make any sense to me. Now I I hope cross my fingers whatever that we stand you know we unite against Trump blah blah blah. But I I don't see that happening. I the only possible chance I see is someone maybe winning in a broken a brokered convention. Um, but I, I, I stand by previous statements. Trump is our nominee. Okay, let me let me let me let me ask you this because you you've said several times about whenever we talk about the Democrats, you generally you, you do bring up the the superdelegates, um, and uh, can you count them? And would they have the balls to thwart the you know whatever with the superdelegates? And what if it goes in this direction? What does that say about the Democratic Party? Blah 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 blah. The Republicans, which which are all I say, blah blah blah, because that's not because I'm discounting it, but because it's it's a fairly, you know, people talk about it a fair amount with regard to the superdelegates. With regard to the Republicans, generally, what do you think would be worse for the party? Trump as a nominee, or I'm right, and there was a shift in things this week. Trump goes into the convention with a lead, but not a majority and is basically thrown out in favor of, uh, we'll just say, not that I actually think he'd do it, but say he's thrown out in favor of, I don't know, Paul Ryan. They make Paul Ryan the nominee. Which of those two things do you think would be worse? Because isn't isn't them jumping in and making Paul Ryan the nominee basically the same thing as the superdelegate thing for the Democrats? Uh, yeah, I, I think just one... I think it's different ways of accomplishing the same thing, right? Uh, but we talked about this, about this this whole thing on the last show. You know, everyone's talking about how the voters are, should be the ones to decide, blah, 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 blah. The, and yes, but the, this is the primaries. This is an organization, an entity, a party deciding who their nominee should be. And they get the input from various members of this party, but we, we have steps for making these decisions and figuring these things out. This is not, this is not the general election. This is not, you know, uh, yeah, this, this is a different thing. So one, I don't have a problem with the Democrats if they do use the superdelegates to decide this. Although for Democrats, it is a little amusing because they're the ones who are very into, um, and good. I'm glad they are. They're very big into you know getting the the votes of all as many people as possible, et cetera, et cetera. So be funny to then see a bunch of elitist superdelegates making decisions. Republicans have no problem with being elitist, so we're happy to declare that we are. Um, so we do the same thing. So yeah, no, I don't see there's a difference as far as which would be worse for the party. Because I know that a lot of people disagree with everything I just said. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think either way we're effed. Uh, <laughs> and I'm hoping that <laughs> the Republican Party uh, undergoes some sort of major revolution and comes out better for it. Um, or maybe splits into a couple of parties and then suddenly we have three parties. That would be cool. That'd be interesting. And then if we could split the Democrats into another party, we'll have we'll have the Susan Sarandon party and then the normal person party. You know, well, and that's oh, you know, wait, sort that of what you're looking what at. Said. Well, you can see, I mean, and that's what and that's what Europe does, right? You know, Europe has 
um, all these different systems. Now, the, there is the downside to the European system. You see these things as you know people not being able to form a government or they're not being a, you know enough of a majority to put together. So they they had there are issues with once you break out of the two party system. Um, that can make things tricky, but it could be interesting, and it, maybe it would be good for us if we had a center left party and a center right party, and a far left party and a far right party. Maybe that would be a good thing. I don't know. Uh, it would certainly make things interesting. Um, yeah. So, uh, moving right along, uh, the the Trump and his comments about nuclear proliferation sort of delve into this a little bit uh uh obama's final uh nuclear security conference uh went down uh this past week uh this is a gathering of of um of a number of of nations throughout the world uh to discuss nuclear proliferation uh pointedly the nuclear non-proliferation uh agreements that have been in place uh, their health and what is to go on. Interesting things about this one: Russia didn't show, uh, so that's big. Uh, two, right now, this is the last one of these things. This was this was sort of Obama's deal, um, and it will be on the next administration, whoever that may be, to continue these conferences. Uh, should they go on? Um, thoughts. Talk to me, Goose. Oh, I mean, it was a great thing that Obama started them. Obviously, Obama's position is is nuanced. You know, there are people on the left who would probably say that he's he's been a failure on these sorts of things. That his you know trillion dollar plan over the next ten years to modernize the nuclear weapons arsenal is you know a betrayal of everything that he holds dear. Uh, but I, I think. Obama has always been, you know, more pragmatic than uh, the Republicans have given him credit for, and uh, that's, you know, caused many people on the far left to get angry with him. Um, so I, I, I think these conferences are, are a very important chance for the world leaders to come together and talk things through because the the issues related to nuclear uh, weapons and nuclear problems change. Six, you know, six years ago when he started this, ISIS didn't matter at all. And now, suddenly, that's really one of the primary things. Um, you know, that's the primary scare is that they're going to, because of not not because of the actual nuclear weapons that are around, but the nuclear, um, the, the sorts of materials that can allow people to create dirty bombs are, are too easily accessed. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think it's great. And I, I hope that whoever wins are, the presidency will continue them. And as long as it's not Trump, I think they will. Um, let me let me play let me play devil's advocate with you just for a minute. Um, because and before I start, I just want to make make it clear that this is not actually what I think. Okay. But just for the hell of it, let me let let's let let's play this thing out. Uh, as I just mentioned, uh, Trump's influence on the thing because it it did come up. Like during his press conference, he was asked uh, Obama, which is which is a very good press conference, by the way, and everybody should go listen to it because he, he again, in his very uh, thoughtful, bookwormy sort of way, Obama had a lot of really interesting things to say mm-hmm. about the conference in and of itself. He um, gives good speech. 
he does give good speech and good press conference. Um, the uh, it was asked whether or not uh, Trump's comments about expanding nuclear the nuclear arsenal, expanding access to nuclear weapons, basically expanding nuclear warfare. Uh, had come up during the conference. Obama said, yes, they came up on the sidelines. Uh, and the important thing that he said to me was that, you know, and this is something that I think that the Republicans have, on the whole have forgotten, which is that the world pays attention to American elections. And so when they run around saying crap, like we're, we're so weak and then act like it doesn't matter to me, it does matter because I do think the world pays attention and it's a bigger deal. But Let's just say for a minute that is there any merit to the idea that Japan should be helping with its own security? South Korea should be, which South Korea does. I think South Korea has a pretty good army in and of itself. Um, And is there any merit to the idea that these countries, countries that we trust, should have nuclear weapons? anything at all and any reason to change because you're right you know foreign policy this is it's been this way for 70 years at this point and the world changes the world has changed it's a very different place now than it was in 1950 you know uh no No. Long pause. <laughs> just, uh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't. I, I was just saying no. Like, and I thought you were still talking. I'm sorry. Uh, no, there is zero merit to that idea. Uh, if we could get rid of all of our nuclear weapons, us and Russia and Israel and India and everybody else's, then, then we should get rid of all of them. You know, nuclear weapons are extraordinarily. Uh, unique in their destructive capabilities and the kind of damage that they do, um, and the whole point of nuclear not proliferation, of the nuclear non proliferation uh, act act or treaty is not. It's not about fairness, right? Because in fairness, the United States has a zillion effing nuclear weapons. Everyone else should get to have them as well, right? But we're not talking about fairness. We're talking about what is best for the world. And what is best for the world is for there not to be nuclear weapons. At this point, we can't get rid of them completely, but we can at least stop them from spreading. Why? Because the more possible fingers there are on various nuclear weapons around the world, the more likely it becomes that someone is going to be stupid enough to push the button. So, no, even our super bestie allies like Japan and South Korea should not be allowed to have nuclear weapons, nor do they have any desire to. Right. It's not like they're sitting there going, can we make can we make this? Can we do this? Like, no, they're, they're not doing this. Um, now, is, is there is there merit to the idea of, you know, paying for such a, you know, them contributing more money? One, let's remember the fact that Japan doesn't have an army because we didn't let them have an army. All right. Uh, many Japanese would be very happy to start having an army. Uh, Shinzo Abe for one. So, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. And then South Korea, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they do pay, but this general idea that people should put some money in. Yes, this makes sense. But at least with a country like Japan, we need to remember why they don't have an army. They don't have an army because they tried to take over the world and we stopped them. 
So it's not as if they're just, you know, a bunch of, you know, lazy, non-wanting to spend money on their army kind of people. You know, we, we didn't let them do this. Yeah, well, and that's, that's but that's kind of my point is that, you know, a lot of this, you know, when you say that these are these are all outcroppings of policies that have been in place since World War II, well, I mean, yeah, they have, but again, the reasons behind it have been, you know, because, you know, see, or not, uh, you know, uh, Japan and Germany were, you know, evil back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not anymore. You know, in fact, mm-hmm. again, you can count Japan as probably one of our strongest allies these days. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I don't know that, I mean, I, I don't know a lot about, you know, Japanese politics, but, you know, I, I, I kind of think it, I don't really see a scenario where a repeat of, you know, uh, the empire, the Japanese empire is likely to happen, you know, again. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, is it, is it time Japan had its own army, you know, uh, things along those lines? I, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't have answers to those questions, but from a, a dollar standpoint, it does seem like we cover an awful lot, you know, like where I was, I read a, a breakdown of the, the amount of money that it, that is spent on NATO, you know, and there was a thing where, uh, a point was made that, you know, we contribute something like 70% of the budget for NATO and then the other 29 countries contribute the other 30%. Uh, yeah, and, and that's the sort of thing where know. I call BS, right? Like, absolutely. You're absolutely right on that. Like, countries like that, we're in NATO, we're in alliance, and they're saying, well, you need to put more money, you know, we need more American troops over here to confront their issues with Russia. You know what? Yes, we do. You guys got to start doing what you were required to do in the first place. You know, the, all those countries are supposed to put in X per amount, an X percentage of their GDP has to go to military funding. And several of those countries aren't. And that's, and that's crap. And they need to stop and we need to call them on it. So I, I, I don't disagree completely with what Trump says about requiring these people to pay. Now, there's a difference between saying, hey, you guys really need to do this and finding ways to encourage them to do this and for, push them to do this. But, I, you know, the idea that we would just yank support from South Korea, I, I think that's I don't even think you bring that up, which that's that. That's part of my issue with the way Trump talks about it. He talks about it as if we would just yank support from South Korea. Well, we can't do that. <laughs> that that would not be a good decision. Yeah, because that I mean that in and of itself is uh, is is that's that that idea in and of itself is terrifying. I mean, how with everything that that idiot in North Korea has been doing lately, really now mm-hmm. now you're gonna do that? Really, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah don't don't make so. don't make threats that you can't that you can't follow through on. That's that's the big thing. Yeah, that are just silly. But anyway, whatever. Time to go to WTF. Uh, what do you got for this? Man, week? I'll give it to Trump, just because he he did you hear did you hear him say that uh, my man Kasich shouldn't be allowed to run. That's what uh, that's what he said to the RNC. Apparently, he said that Kasich shouldn't be allowed to run because he didn't have any mathematical possible way for him to win. I was very annoyed by this. Shouldn't be allowed to what? Shouldn't be allowed to run. He should be forced to drop out. Douchebag. I can't. Uh, yeah, that's stupid. Why would you say something? I don't know. That, 
Cause yeah. he's scared. Cause he know, and he well, but Trump admits this. He says because Kasich takes votes away from him. Kasich doesn't take votes away from Cruz. He takes votes away from from Trump. So, really, which I, I, I would. I guess I'm not entirely certain if that's true, but I, I don't know. I maybe he's he's looking at the the way the delegates line up. I don't know, but um, he he admits See, think- that it's a completely self centered desire for him to drop out. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I, I think most, I don't know. Honestly, I think most, most people that, that are likely to vote for Kasich are the kind of people that, uh, look at it sort of the way that Lindsey Graham said it, you know, it's the difference between being shot and being poisoned, you know, mm-hmm. or they'll be, they'll be standing there at a ballot box, having to push a button between one of the two of them and going, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, my, you know what? I don't actually have a specific person that my WTF goes to this week. I, I just, I have to throw it out to the media in, in general because there is, there is a certain level of, of dissatisfaction that I have had with, with the media uh, throughout the course of this election. The progressive media has done nothing but irritate the shit out of me because at this point I can't frankly tell the difference between the progressive media and Fox News. Uh, because I, I, you know what? I used to be able to look at a headline that said, uh, any day now, Hillary is about to be indicted. Someone breathed at the Pentagon, Hillary in trouble. You know, and, and know immediately that that headline came from Fox news, new Republic, the Hill, Hmm. uh, and that I didn't have to pay any attention to it. But now they're not only coming from that, but they're coming from they're coming from HuffPo, they're coming from Salon, they're coming from Think Progress, uh, and it, it's just so so. St- I actually read an article from a guy on HuffPo saying that Hillary Clinton now had a moral obligation to drop out of the race. It was clear now. Now it was clear that Hillary. Morally is obligated to get out of the race and and concede to Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that thing. Hillary should concede. That made me laugh. Oh, so silly. So very silly. But <laughs> so I, silly. They're just silly. They're they silly, silly people. Just oh my goodness. But the but the it's not so much them that bothers me. It's it's this lack of of this 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 insistence on just from places like CNN, ABC, CBS. This insistence on just getting uh pointing out the stupid stuff that people say and then going I wonder if this is going to change something. Bob, do you think this is going to change anything? Well, I don't know. What about you, Susan? Do you think that's going to change anything? Anderson, is that going to change anything? I don't know. Back to you, Wolf. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's a constant thing, and there's not anybody actually pointing out, look, this is who Donald Trump is. All of this crap that we've known about, that we've heard about Donald Trump, that it seems like people might actually be starting to pay attention to, is not anything new. This is all stuff that he's been doing for years. And Donald Trump's been in the public eye since Letterman was on NBC. Nice. You know, and and this, it's, I mean, like seriously, like when I was 10 years old, I can remember flipping through a book of top 10 lists from David Letterman's show and going, who's Donald Trump? Ivana? I don't know why that's funny. 
now I'm sure I'd think it was funny as hell. But, you know, I, I just I, I think that there's a certain amount of responsibility that's uh, that is borne by the media that is attempting to ride the rails and be in the center. Because no one has really stood up and said, look, this is who this guy is. And people need to be aware of it. And because nobody listens to the fringe media anymore. Nobody pays any attention to Fox News except people who watch Fox News. And yeah, but this really is the problem with media in general, right? Is that now we get to pick exactly who we want to listen to. You know, unless we set out, unless we make ourselves, you know, which is something we've talked about that me and you both try to do because of this show. Unless we make ourselves listen to people who disagree with us, we will happily sit there and read whoever it is that we agree with and cheer them on and go, yes, 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 exactly that, without ever exposing ourselves to another perspective. Well, and but that's, but see, that's, and I agree with that, but at the same time, that's where I think places like CNN, it is necessary for them to, uh, to stand up, you know, and, and, and when something like this is going on to really try to report the absolute truth about these things. And I haven't seen CNN do that. I haven't seen ABC or CBS or NBC doing that. I've just seen them doing that sort of pointing out and sort of stuff throughout it. And it's, it's gotten old. I, you know, and, and, and I, and I'm tired of it. I, you know, watching, I like, I used to come home and sit down and go, okay, I can for about an hour, keep CNN on in the background, at least get an idea of what went on throughout the day. I can't because it's just wall to wall of exchanges of what I just said. You know, it just, the players are different, but the message is the same. This dude said this on the campaign trail today. And do we think this is important? Usually not moving on, you know, it's, it's just silly. So anyway, Moving on to free trade, we are uh, free trade's gotten a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of press throughout this election cycle. A lot of haters. This lot of election haters. cycle. What the hell? A lot of haters on the left and the right, both. Yeah. Because Bernie talks a lot hail. of shit about free trade. Duh. Trump talks a lot of shit about free trade, and it's and it's it's. It's it's out there. This is a thing. This is you know, and and uh, there's a lot of misconceptions I think about this. I have some some problems with it that I think are probably misconceptions on which I am potentially wrong about. Uh, there is an outstanding uh, breakdown of the state of things in the Economist that Tim was kind enough to send to me, and if we had our blog up and going, we would absolutely point you to it. Uh, but it's out there, um, and. Uh, uh, t- okay, so the consensus from the far left and the far right, free trade, bad. Why is free trade not bad? Talk well, to me I about mean, free trade. Free trade is responsible for the the massive acceleration of, of prosperity within the United States from the 1980s onward, and especially starting in the 90s. I mean, you look at you look at how well we've done as a country 
uh, from 93 up until, you know, we had the crash in 2007. But the crash in 2007 wasn't even related to free trade. You know, this was related to mortgages. Uh, you know, and so it, it, free trade has been an enormous bonus for us. One of the biggest things that it does is that it lowers the cost of goods. And this is a primarily a boost to the uh, people with lower incomes uh, because people with upper incomes, you know, they, they can afford it. They can afford to, to buy the, the fancier stuff. Uh, but people with lower incomes are the main ones to take advantage of a lower cost of goods. Um, and this has been because of free trade. Um, you look at our opportunities to export. You know, we went from exporting uh, $10 billion worth of stuff to uh, Mexico in 93 to exporting $70 billion worth of stuff in 2013. That's us exporting. This isn't us bringing things in. This is us sending stuff out. Um, you know, and now you look at hopefully with the TPP getting uh, Malaysia and, and Vietnam to, to drop some of their high tariffs so that we can start exporting things to them. Uh, so we're, we're very excited about that. This is the, and this is what free trade is all about. It's all about uh, lowering of, of tariffs and, and um, you know getting getting everybody on the same the same trading level. Um, it's a fantastic thing. Uh, increasing intellectual property rights. That's a big thing. The TPP isn't even uh, that into lowering of tariffs. You know, I mean, that's an aspect of it. But a lot of the TPP is about um, protecting intellectual property rights. Uh, they're about, you know, encouraging these, these countries that are from poorer economies than us uh, to have better labor practices, to have better employer-employee practices. Uh, so yeah, free free trade is fantastic and is largely responsible for a lot of the uh, the the good and acceleration of our economy. Okay. Now, devil's advocate. This is because this is this has been honestly this has been to a certain extent and it's, it's been sort of my thinking as well. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna start this off with the disclaimer about well this is not what I think because it is. It's not so much what I think, but it is a question that I have. And I do think that this is the point that both, oddly, Bernie and Trump are making. Um, is that I think what a lot of people see is that you had NAFTA. And that was chased with a lot of other free trade agreements. And in that same time frame, there has been... A, the middle class has fallen away. Uh, the there is you know like you talk about exports. What do we export? You know what are we don't we don't we have no factories. We don't. Well, I'm not saying we have no factories, but we have very few factories. We we don't make things the way that we used to make things. We don't manufacture a lot uh, here in the United States. Now a lot of that has to do with the fact that we're bringing a lot of it in when things that we used to make here that we don't make here anymore. Um, and because we don't make these things here, because we don't, we don't export them. And we also have no jobs to go along with them. So, and I think a lot of people look at that as being because instead of manufacturing things here, we can manufacture them in Mexico and in Asia. 
where there are no, like iPhones, for example, you know, the infamous iPhone boy, Apple boycott of Trump that lasted for all of, you know, 60 seconds. Um, where, you know, pointing out that, you know, no, no, you know, Apple is hailed as this great American country, but what does Apple doesn't make anything here? Nothing is actually manufactured in the United States. So, well, is that and I think people see a, I think people see a connection between those two things. Is that fair? It's yes. And yes, yes. And no, it's fair. It's fair and it's not fair. So one, one thing that that you got to keep in mind is that the exact same time as we were making a lot of these free trade agreements and you see, okay, now like people can open factories in Mexico, they can open factories in China uh, and all across the world. At the same time as this is going on, you have this massive increase in technology, right? And the machination of the assembly line, right? Uh, So there's at least uh, some economists out there who would argue that even if China disappeared and you had to bring all those factories back to the States, you actually wouldn't notice that much of a difference. It's not you wouldn't actually see this massive flood of jobs back to the U.S., because of the way that, that our assemblies lines now refer, rely much more on machines to do things than, than on manpower. Um, now, at the same time, yes, you're right. There are aspects of this where we're sending, we are losing some amount of jobs uh, to these things, to, to other countries. But the idea is that, okay, so maybe some of these low-skilled jobs like the iPhone from Apple, these these low-skilled jobs of assembling these things are done elsewhere, right? But the high-level stuff, the more high-skilled things, are done in the States. So does this mean that we should, and, and by doing this, right, this allows me to afford an iPhone, right? I'm on, I'm on food stamps and Medicaid, but I got an iPhone 6. How is that possible? It's possible because my iPhone's made in Japan or China instead of over here in the United States. And why is that a good thing? It's it's a good thing because the the having the high the high skill stuff over here allows our people to make more while at the same time allowing people in the lower levels of income like me to be able to afford goods of this nature. The, the problem has been is that we haven't done the things that you need to do in order to protect those people who did lose jobs, right? Because we're, we're not trying to ignore the fact that there are, in any trade, there's going to be some, some segment of the population who loses out. And we have to have policies to directly assist those people. One of those that got brought in was was Obama's uh, wage insurance, right, that Obama wanted to expand. That's one of the programs that can specifically help people who get damaged by this, Uh, as well as increasing training and education. If we see that, okay, this segment of jobs is going to disappear, then we need to make sure that we are training those specific people who are losing their jobs in the things that are the higher skill level so that they can move up. Rather than fighting around and trying to jump to some other low-skilled job that's also going to disappear. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And that gets into training the workforce. Yeah. Um, yes. No, it does. It does entirely. And, you know, because I, you know, I, and I, I think I've said this uh, over and over and over again. I, you know, the, I, I live in uh, Durham, North Carolina. I work in the, the, uh, the research uh, triangle area. 
which is home to a, a very large number of tech companies. And there are just on one <clears throat> jobs website that I kind of keep an eye on. There are on average one to 200 new job postings a day mm-hmm. for new listings for jobs out in this area. Mm-hmm. And these are positions that, and, and in some cases, uh, these are positions that stay open for months because yep. companies have trouble filling them um, yep. because we haven't taken the steps that we needed to take to properly train the workforces. Now mm-hmm. they, at the same time, Preach. yeah. And that's been, uh, you know, at the same time, a lot of that training isn't even done at the college level. It's done sort of in like professional colleges and technical colleges and the training that's offered by those technical colleges, having been to a number of those training sessions, they suck. Uh, and, that's but that's a whole nother argument um so you know not only are they not only do we not have enough people getting trained but the training that we're offering is terrible um and it's purely a money-making venture uh in a lot of cases uh it's a little bit like in some cases it's 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 a little bit as though uh like you went to bartending school right so imagine going to a bartending school that was run entirely by I don't know, Grey Goose. Mm-hmm. So what's Grey Goose going to do to all the bartenders that they're training? Well, they're going to train you how to do Grey Goose things. Mm-hmm. And that's all. So yeah. and a lot of training classes are run specifically like that. And frankly, it, a lot of people that come out of, uh, that come out of these tech cool tech schools without any experience are looked on a lot like, people that roll out of bartending school without actually having worked in a, in a bar, Mm -hmm. you know, book smarts versus street smarts. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, you know, these vocational things need to have direct connection to jobs. Cause that was, you're right. Bartending school didn't do me any good. Getting to know the owners of a bar is what got me a job as a bartender, not going to bartending school. Um, yeah, absolutely. And this, and and it's not like there's not examples of people who have done this well. Germany has been fantastic about this. They have done an excellent job of of training work, of of retraining their workforce. Uh, but we just we just don't do it. We don't do it properly. And so we'd rather sit here and shout about how the evil countries are taking our jobs and you need to raise tariffs and bah. Let's ignore the fact that you know goods cost less than they ever have. That my quality of life is equivalent to you know what someone had back in uh, is higher than it's ever been since like '86 or something like that. Um, yeah, it, there there are lots of steps that we can take. But for some reason, our politicians are not talking about those things. Yeah, and they're just they're just hitting on the, you know, they're hitting on the stuff that they know people will like. Mm-hmm. You know, fear mongering. Yeah, well, and and I think, and honestly, I'm I'm telling you, I think Bernie is just as guilty of it in some circumstances as uh, as well, maybe not as Trump, but certainly by some, as some people on the right. Well, um, guilty, guilty of it, but expected, right? I, I guess I, you know I hear a far left progressive ranting against free trade. You know, duh, <laughs> right? I mean, that's kind of <laughs> built. That's kind of built in. You know, the the betrayal <laughs> is coming from the Republican Party, and it's coming from a lot of sides of the Republican Party, um, and it, it's pandering. And it's not standing up for Republican conservative business principles. 
Free trade is good. Free trade has been a godsend for this country. Globalization has been a godsend for the world, and we should be standing up for it rather than backing down. Yeah, I, you know, honestly, I, I, I tend to agree. I, you know, I, one of the things that I, that I noticed, I suppose maybe I'll lose some liberal cred for that, but whatever. I was watching <laughs> one of those, um, uh, I was like, you've seen those, how it's made things, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. the videos out there on YouTube that'll show you like how candy canes are made, you know, yeah. just random shit that you, you, you wouldn't think about. Um, and the thing that's always striking to me about like, I'll run there are a lot of times they're only three, four or five minutes long. So I, and I'll, I'll run across them, you know, just through my blog rolls throughout the day. And, um, every now and then I'll sit down and watch one. And the thing that, that strikes me about them is how many times there's a part of me that perks up just a little bit when I actually see a person doing something in the factories. Okay. Um, nice. Because it's rare. I mean, it is so much of it just right down to, you know, I, I saw one about how candy canes were made and they have guys whose job it is to the, like nobody pulls the candy anymore. It's all done by it's, it's all done by uh, machine. It's all packed by machine. They actually have mm-hmm. machines that just there's their job is to pick up candy canes and put them in boxes and then everything gets wrapped up. You know, all of these you know, and that's just in this one factory that's doing this one thing to make candy canes for heaven's sakes. But you know, that the things like that used to be somebody's job and those used to be union jobs and they used to be good paying and they don't exist anymore. And it has nothing to do with the fact that, uh, you know, we didn't ship that job over to somewhere outside of, you know, Beijing and, and, and there's some Chinese kid packing our candy canes. They don't believe in candy canes. That's right because they don't believe in Santa. I know, and everybody knows that Santa really Santa really makes the candy canes. <laughs> so, anyhow, moving on. Time for a round of applause. Uh, who have you got this week? Oh my god, I just forgot, and that was one I was excited about. No, wait, round of applause. No, I gave my WTF to the wrong person. I had two WTFs and no round of applause. God dang it. I have well, no you've idea. been caught off. But all WTF Matt Bevan for being a dick. Uh, so Matt Bevan, I agree. I agree with so many of the things that he's doing. Uh, but We're he's a talk about jerk this about quick it. Hits. All right. Well, then I'll stop. But yeah, dang it. That's my bad. I don't have a round of applause. I hate everybody. <laughs> We're gonna we'll we'll get into we'll get into Governor Bevan soon enough, but I agree that was definitely a WTF moment. You don't have to hate everybody, just you know what you 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 like everybody. That's what round of applause is all about. It's 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 about saying you like somebody. Well, that's that's a shame because I was hoping your round of applause would be substantive because mine's not at all. <laughs> nice. My round of applause goes to Guns and Roses. Okay, why? <laughs> yes. Why? Because you know what? Hey, on 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 there's awful things. Then we'll we'll get more into the the evilness of April Fools on the internet later. But uh, Friday night, Guns N' Roses reunited with Axel and Slash and Duff together, playing their first show uh, in like 23, 23, 24 years together uh, in front of about two hundred fifty people and charged them ten bucks a head. Uh, to get into the Troubadour in LA, and it, you know, it, it, it was, it, it's, it's awesome. 
good on you guys for, you know, sucking it up and going on tour and making $3 million a show. I know that was a really tough thing to hash out and do, but you know, whatever it fat Axel aside. Cause damn, you know, seeing Axel try to do his little want to be sexy. Welcome to the jungle snake dance move now is not attractive at all. <laughs> not, not even a little bit because he looks a little it's bit nothing worse than an aging hipster. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you know, well, what's funny is the other guys actually look really good. They don't really look even all that different, you know, uh, but oddly enough, but, but Axel, man, Axel, Axel needs to, needs to hit the, needs to hit Axel the let himself go. Huh? <laughs> Axel has a, a little bit and he looks a little, and it's, and it's worse because he's got this sort of, uh, like, uh, like 70s kind of, it's not a handlebar, but it's one of those, uh, wanna, it's like the start of a goatee mustache, but then he stopped and didn't grow the rest of the goatee. And so it's sort of this kind of child molester mustache look. And it's just not flattering. Not at all. But still cool to 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 know that, that guns and roses is playing together again I, I i think that's fun so you know whatever anyhow <laughs> <laughs> uh we will we will move on to quick hits and uh at the uh at, you know what let's let's just jump into it go matt matt bevan go what what you got you <laughs> man like th- this is so frustrating for me because because i agree with with so much of what he's trying to do, right? And it, I get furious with people on the left because they talk about him as if, oh, he's cutting higher, he's cutting this, he's cutting that. As if he's cutting that and then, like, giving it out to his little rich friends or something. No, he's cutting that in order to put it into the teacher pension fund, you know? I... I with something which is, you know, and this is a major problem that's been, you know, the, the, they love saying the kick the can, right? So the can's been kicked down the road, down the road, down the road. No one's talking about the fact that, you know, Bashir st- has been stealing from the retirement plan for the last eight years in order to fund all this stuff. No one's talking about that. Just everyone's yelling at Ben. So... I, I good job, Bevan. Right for for the the cuts that he's making. Uh, I refuse to see it as like, oh, he's cutting higher education, and therefore he doesn't care. Blah, blah blah. You know what? Who does? You know who doesn't care about higher education? All the people who are in charge of higher education, who are spending all of their money on crap and enjoying allowing everyone's salaries to go up and retirement plans to go up and pensions to go up, and oh, we'll bring in these new administrators and this new level of bureaucracy rather than attacking the the inefficiencies within our college education systems you know uh what what one 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 quote that i read someone responded to to his to the tax cuts and said you know well we're gonna have to you know no department's gonna be exempt and we're gonna have to go through and really look at where we can cut costs and uh make things more efficient well no shit of course you have to do that. What business gets to go around throughout life without ever having to make things more efficient and just get to keep on taking more and more taxpayers' money and more and more of the poor students' money in the form of higher tuitions? So, great. I'm glad that hopefully Bevan is forcing colleges to cut costs. Don't be a jerk about it, though. Like, he, he, what, did, what did he, in the, the, the thing he said to, to Matt Jones, right? So Matt Jones uh, from KSR, you know, doing the typical progressive whatever with his 
comments of, you know, oh, glad he's glad Bevin's trying to destroy our college children or whatever he said. But, you know, and Bevin, rather than coming back with some sort of response of, well, I'm sorry that you feel that way. I promise that's not my goal. These are the reasons why I'm doing this. This is what I'm saying. He comes back and makes some crack about now go back and play, kids. Uh, come on, Bevin. What are you doing? Um, and then on top of that, he now he's made the he made he couldn't get he hasn't been able to get all the stuff through Congress. So he did it. He did the 4.5 percent cuts now. Like he made them effective now through some loophole or tweak or whatever. And and I'm sorry, but how is that any different than what everyone's getting mad at Obama for? Everyone's getting mad at Obama for, you know, all of his executive orders and 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 you know, tweaking the system and trying to go around the legislature and ball and Bevin's one of those people. And he just went around the legislature. Hmm. That's weird. That's so, yeah. that's my that's my problem with it. It's you know I I it's it's that he he really just proved to me what I had started to suspect it because he sort of you know he started off hitting some interesting notes and kind of got my attention and I I, I lit, like there was the one thing where he you know uh, he reversed Bashir's pardons but then pointed out that it needed to be done through the legislature not through executive order pushed, got the legislature in the room and said, look guys, we need to do this because I'm going to rescind the executive order, but I need you guys to get on this. Now, whether or not they've actually gotten on it, I don't know, but just like, I, I don't, I don't know what happened just almost like in the last month or so, you know, he went grandstanding around and trotting out that, you know, doing the big press coverage, watch me sign this thing, watch me run down to the front of the Capitol steps so I can as quickly as possible sign my Planned Parenthood initiative thing and see what I'm doing and yada, yada, yada. You know, you're going to do that shit fine. I mean, you know, I I expect that kind of thing. He's a pro-life governor. He's going to take those kinds of steps. Okay, fine. But why, why with the show? You know, and the and the big brass balls kind of thing that you're doing, and that's ridiculous. Why are you getting involved in that? And then in this case, right. you want to make I, the I, cuts. I didn't find that one ridiculous. I, I thought Go it was ahead. ridiculous, but well, because it's grandstanding, you know. And I don't. It's not grandstanding. I, I, that's being proud of something that's being accomplished. No one accuses Obama of grandstanding when he, you know, has everyone filming him signing a bill. He, you know, he was excited. You know, like this is a good thing that we're doing. Yeah, but I don't see Obama rushing out down the rushing down the White House steps to get to the Capitol to meet a bill halfway like some kid who's excited about opening his stocking on Christmas morning. I mean, come on, you know it's it, it was just I thought it was a bullshit move, but uh, that so there's that. But more importantly, the idea that you know he this hasn't even had its chance to work its way through the legislature yet. You know, if 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 it's it's like he just got. A little bit into the process and then went, well, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm going to do this anyway. And because I can, you know, and and I mean, OK, you want to do stuff by executive order? You know, you've got the right to do that. But, uh, you know, don't go criticizing Obama the next time he makes executive orders or act as though Democrats are the only ones that do it. And mm-hmm. two, he really should have let this play out. You know, uh, I, I just it, it, it bothers me. And I would point out that. The the yes, Matt Jones, I don't think would would argue the idea that he is something of an irritating liberal, but uh, he was making a joke about Louisville. 
And that was his intention with the tweet. He didn't actually think it was going to go anywhere. He thought it was funny. And then Bevin got hold of it and kind of went crazy with it and, and got into a Twitter. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. It was not a joke. I mean, maybe he was trying to be funny, but he was being a dick being funny then. Like, I mean, I read, I read the quote. I mean, it's no, no. Well, I listened to his radio show the next morning when he explained it. So, well, then saying, he, that's he's what he's doing. He, he's doing some impressive rewriting of, of his, of the actual quote. Um, yeah, no, no. Well, I mean, you know what? Look, that show's been remarkably good to Bevan. You it, it, that show hosted the Republican debate, and the, that a lot of people say shifted the the, the primary into uh, in in Bevin's favor, uh, and then eventually helped him get elected. He's Bevin's been on the show two or three times. They've 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 had a something of a decent relationship up to that up, up to just recently with that one. So it was an interesting exchange to say the least, but, but, but your point is well taken. Why are you getting involved in a Twitter war? You're the governor. Really? I mean, was, was there not anybody the and again, the point yeah. was made at KSR. Matt, is there Matt not Jones's just, quote and in other news, governor Matt Bevin just significantly cut higher education funding in Kentucky, which will mean tuition increases depressing. How is that a joke? Yeah, but that's not the one that that's not the one that Bevan responded to. The one that Bevan that responded that to Bevin was the one about to. the one that Bevan responded to was the was the Louisville one. No, that's not the one Bevan responded. At least not according to the article that has everything set up. No, so no, Matt Jones not making a joke. He made, but I agree. Get Bevan. What are you doing? Getting in a, in a Twitter war with a radio personality? Come on. Because the point the point was made afterward on the on the show. Look, man, I'm not I, I don't know what article you're looking at, and I'm not going to get into that. But I I I heard the explanation on the radio show the next morning. Um, so that was what I that's where I'm basing my sourcing on. But the other point was made is that is is there not some? Surely to God, there was some assistant running around the governor's mansion going, "Okay, we're going to change the password on that Twitter account. Just give us your phone." <clears throat> Mm-hmm. And stay out of these kinds of things, because you know, again, what do you what are you getting involved in? But I mean, my you know, again, I I don't. What what does worry me is that they is that they won't cut. Okay, you, you want to cut costs? Fine, let's cut costs, um, because I agree it's a bloated system. But Jones's point is not an incorrect point, because what if they don't cut where they should cut to meet? The, the demand what if what they do is raise tuition because that's well, what then, i'm afraid they'll do well then you blame the, the colleges for that not the governor well but isn't it aren't these state-run institutions and aren't there things that the state could do to make them because i mean it, if you know is is there not some way i i think the problem is is that isn't this a unilateral action and saying okay we're just gonna make you we're going to cut your funding, so you got to go find something to do. But is there anything when they come back and say we're going to raise? Fine, we're going to raise tuition. Is there nothing that the state can do to come back and go? No, you need to find better ways to spend your money. You can't keep raising tuition to do this. I, I, I mean, obviously that that I have no idea. I, I don't know. As state funded institutions, I don't know how much control 
you know, we have over specifically how they spend their money, how the specific funding works. I, that I that that I don't have an answer for. But should we be enraged at UK for the way that they spend the the, the tuition money that we give them? Yes, absolutely, we should. Should we be enraged at EKU, WKU, the public university, private university systems in general for the way that they have extorted, uh, you know, the our our generation? Yes. We should be. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, as people, one of the only recourses that we have is through our elected officials. We can be angry at Capiluto. We can be angry at UK in general. We can be angry at Lee Todd for everything that he did. And, you know, whoever the guy before Todd was, whose name I, I can't remember. Uh, but, you know, the, the and this is why I say that I don't think it's entirely fair, Tim, to say that that that's just a typical liberal response and ooh they're going to raise tuitions like it's some kind of boogeyman no they will raise tuition and they've done it in the past in order to make up those shortfalls but your point is also not incorrect in that yes they have bloated spending and it needs to be done so what concerns me is that Bevan will have gone in and done his you know you know, blazing saddles kind of uh, move on on the uh, on spending on government funding, but that doesn't stop. It may not. It might not solve the problem. That's what I'm afraid of, and I think that that's what Matt Jones was pointing out, and I think it's a fair point. Well, it is a fair. I mean, it. it well, no, I don't. I'm not going to agree that Matt Jones has a fair point because in no way, shape, or form was what he said. You know, some sort of you know, well thought out critical response to the issues of higher education. Yes, there is an issue with higher education, but the response has to stop being, well, the government will pay for it. Because that's our been our response. That's been our response for healthcare, and that's been our response to the issues of, of, of college tuition. Well, make the government pay for it. Okay, no. Because that's not the government isn't just magically coming up with money. The government is taking money from taxpayers and giving it to institutions who are being inefficient and bloated and not spending the money correctly. So we have to stop supplying them with the funds and force them to get more efficient. How we can do that without these public institutions raising tuitions, I, I don't know the laws well enough. I don't know how much control we have over SEPs things. Can we can we force them to not, you know, they can only raise their tuition so much. Can we? I, I don't know how that works. I have no idea. But the response cannot be, well, we'll just keep on giving them money. No, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that it should be. But what I am saying is that I think this raise in tuition is a legitimate fear, and I think it's possible that Bevan may not even have gone, or the legislature may not have gone far enough. And I think it's a legitimate fear that I don't think he's addressing. That's what I'm saying. And I don't I think mean, you can I mean, just blow it off by saying, "Well, it's just something liberals say." It's not just something. That, that is say. not. It's a thing. I'm not. That it. is not what Bevan said. Matt, that's not what Matt Jones said. I made no comments about tuitions being raised as being some sort of ridiculous liberal thing. Matt Jones' comment was, and on the other news, Bevan is cutting spending, depressing, you know, and this is depressing. Like, no, the, the raising tuition is a legitimate concern, and whatever we're doing that needs to be addressed, yes. Somehow that needs to be addressed. I don't know exactly how we go about it, but it should be handled. But yes, I do stand by what I'm saying about Matt Jones 
made just a typical liberal comment of depressing they're cutting higher education. As if just because we're cutting higher education's funding, therefore, you know, we're trying to destroy public universities and we don't care about people getting college education. Okay. So the you know what this this is just going to turn into who said what it, it well, but it said which means tuition increases that was just exa- and because you quoted that earlier and in other news Matt Governor just significantly cut higher education funding in Kentucky which will mean tuition increase increases depressing and that's that's why I'm hitting on it because that those two things are I I do think that the one is a fair point I do however want to know if there's anything they can do and if they have any control, if the state has any control over what colleges charge. Yeah, you're right. It does, He does say in there, which will mean tuition increases. Right. But he uh, is correct. And he, yeah, but it still is obvious that he's blaming the government for this because of Bevan. There's going to be tuition increases. Whereas, what I think the proper critique is, is because of the inefficient spending within our colleges, there will be tuition increases. But yes, we should do something about this. I don't know exactly what the government can do, how much control they have over public universities in order to force them to, uh, to get more efficient without raising the tuition. That I don't have an answer for, and that should be addressed if it is not being done. I want to look all this up. I actually, now all of a sudden I want to know, I, I, I want to know if, if the legislature or, or the governor have any, even, even any say in what tuition is in state run institutions. I'm fascinated. I don't know. I'm fascinated by this too. Yeah. This I need to look up. We're over time. We have no time for anything. other any, any other quick hits tonight. I, I, I think we're done. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, 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 I think we need to move along with our lives. Uh, have you anything, anything further, to, anything further to add? No, sir. Everyone have a good night. Thanks for listening to us. Thanks for getting us over a hundred views. Hey, hey, hey. Yes. Here's to the next hundred thousand. <laughs> as we take over the world. Uh, yeah, that's all we got. As, as, as always, please, 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 it's an election year. People go register to vote. Uh, thank you so much for, for coming out, and we will talk to you next week. Have a fantastic evening.